Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Microsoft Surface Pro 8 has the power of a laptop and the versatility of a tablet all in one. It has a touchscreen and a newly designed signature keyboard that could even store your Surface Pen. Show the world how you stand out with Surface Pro 8. Check it out at surface.com slash surfacepro8. Recorded live. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 594. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today, I have my regular co-host, Matt Longus. Today is Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. Matt, how are you doing today? Eric, you know, I'm coming off a weekend of home network upgrades. I had uh, the older Ubiquity gear. I had a security key or cloud key Gen 2 Plus and a um, security gateway pro and i migrated everything over to a udm pro uh, special edition a udm pro se and it just makes me think of all of the things that now of where we're at with home networking equipment and you know prosumer equipment and whatnot and how many things parallel what is an enterprise deployment right equipment availability uptime backups uh, transferring and upgrades and what has now become a hobbyist activity or what was a ha- hobbyist activity has moved over into this, you know, almost enterprise grade in some way. I was, I was worried about what, what my service level agreement was going to be between myself and the family. If I would cause an outage disruption, right. As far as you have to notify everyone of, well, we're going to do with some home network upgrades and uh, I can Netflix and the iPads and everything else, or, you know, all of the other devices that we use in the house, they're going to be offline. I can what see. What are we going to do about that? I right? can see. A, so I can see. LTE. I can see a VCDX in your future. You know, Matt does an architecture of home home networking. You know, uh, yeah, that's your. That's well, that is all to say. I mean, it's definitely not a VCDX level by any means. But as we get more and more of these services, right, to out at the home level. It just, it's that other level of resiliency and redundancy now that we have to rely on. It just really makes me think of, of how much parallels that now we're progressing of what it was, you know, um, traditional simplified setups um, at the home has now in some instances uh, at least reached uh, SMB level of um, yeah. complexity no. and, and resiliency. Yeah, so yeah. I, it all went well. We're up, we're running. Everybody's fine. Netflix and Amazon and, and whatnot, and we're back up. And uh, the throughput was definitely worth uh, the upgrade on the Pro SE. If you have IDS and IPS turned on, you're now your throughput is well over a gig. With whether Security Gateway Pro was limited to about 250 or 250 uh, down on your downstream from your provider. So. It was worth it, Very but fun. that is all to say, um, 
you know, it was a fun and interesting weekend. But how about you, sir? How are things out there on the West Coast? How are you doing? And most importantly, what is the color of the bay? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, I've been uh, Bitcoin mining for the, since, since the beginning of January, and that's all great. But just talk about home networking. You mean you've been heating your home? I've been heating my home. It's been wonderful. and uh, But now it's starting to get hot out. The weather is starting to turn. So, uh, But I got to say that uh, it's when my network goes down now, it costs me money right? Because the miners can't talk out on the network. And so resiliency of my home network. Now I look at it and I'm like, if I'm down an hour, that costs me like $4. And I'm like, yeah, I can't have this any longer. So there's the, there is that uh, balancing my home network with uh, the fact that there's money. I'm going to shut it all down. It is not worth it because I did get my power bill and my wife is like, you didn't make any money, right? You just gave your money to me. Right? So that's what, that's how that works. It is beautiful and sunny here in uh, California. Uh, we've got, had some really good weather. It's supposed to turn cold again tomorrow. So we've had some ups and downs in California throughout the uh, month of February, come into March. Um, so that means it'll be in the sixties, right? As opposed yes, to the that's right. It'll get down to like okay. 52, right? That's going to be chilly for me. Downright right? frigid. Downright frigid. Bay area. On the show today, we're going to be talking to John Towles. Uh, we're talking about uh, Workspace ONE workflows uh, and the evolution uh, of mobile flows. And so we thought we'd have him come on and talk a little bit about Workspace ONE and uh, and uh, experience workflows now. So excited about that. But before we get to John, John, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Uh, but before we get to John, let's uh, swing over to Utah. Uh, Corey Romero, what's new with the experts and how you doing? Doing well, Eric. Doing well. Uh, weather here in Utah has been uh, actually warm the last two days. It's been warming up, which is great. I'm actually headed off to California tomorrow morning. Um, so uh, be a little bit warmer out there for sure. The experts. Um, so we released the VX, we announced the Expert Awards, as everybody knows. Uh, we have also opened up subprogram applications uh, for 10 subprograms. So um, applications were open yesterday, and applications close on March 16th. And we will announce the vid, uh, various program awards on March 28th. Um, so the VExpert subprograms, so just a little quick brief um, summary of them. Uh, they're designed specifically for VExperts who are in the program. So um, if you read about one of the VExpert subprograms, you're not a VExpert, but you're doing the things that, that should get you into the program, shoot me an email, C-R-O-M-E-R-O at VMware.com. And uh, we can discuss and see how uh, maybe we can get you into the program or uh, figure out what we can do for you. Um, but with that, um, I have requested licenses for VExperts as well. That's one of the bonuses of the VExpert program is you get licenses to all of our products, our on-prem products. Um, so I requested pro uh, licenses for 28 product and product suites this morning. So uh, hoping to have those back um, for, uh, for next week for all the VExperts. Yep. Awesome. I run on one of those. I've got a server in the... Uh, in a cage in San Jose, and uh, I noticed that I only got like four weeks left before my license runs out. So, looking forward to getting the license. Uh, so, thanks for doing that, Corey. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Yep, Corey. Any new subprograms that are out there, or any that have changed that we need to be aware of? No, no changes um, uh, this year. They're all running the same, um, and nothing new so far for the year. Okay, and just for those that are out there, one, you got to be the, the V expert to apply. Correct. Correct. And the, the the entire list, I believe there is what now uh, eleven or, or ten or eleven subprograms that are out there. Vexpert.vmware.com forward slash subprograms. Uh, once you log in, uh, you can see the entire list. We have everything over there from 
app modernization to Avi to EUC. You know, we're talking about all things Workspace ONE today, but anything within the Workspace ONE or Horizon stack, uh, security, uh, uh, cloud provider, and uh, NSX, just to, to mention a couple. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, 10 total subprograms this year so far. So and if, we, if we decide to open up another program, we don't wait until next year. We do it in the middle of the year. So that's what we did with, with you know, some of these programs from last year is we announced the program, opened up applications, and then we brought in um, sub-programs as we worked with the uh, various business units. So, Corey, if you were at a sub-program last year, is it likely that you're going to be able to get into the sub-program again? Do some of these sub-program managers you know, keep a running set of people that they're usually working with? They do. They do. They, they do keep a, a close list of the, of the people who are working with them, uh, you know, on, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Um, I have spoken with each individual sub-program manager and also had dropped, um, the, the, you know, planted a seed of, hey, um, we allowed everyone else to come back in. Uh, we kind of re-upped everyone out of the 2021 program into 2022 um, as there still are COVID restrictions around the world, right? And not everyone lives in Utah, right? Utah has been pretty open. I know California just opened up, but I know some countries and some places have been some pretty bad restrictions. So um, I have, you know, dropped that seed into the into the sub-program managers as well as keep that in the back of your mind as you're going through these and looking at applications. Okay, great. All right. With that, we're going to get on to our topic. So John Tolles, uh, welcome to the community podcast. And uh, we always start with, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, how long have you been uh, working in IT and what have you done in your career? And then what do you do now? Sure. Thanks, Eric. First of all, I just want to say, Matt, since when, since when the network gear has become SE, it's like you got a Star Wars box set. So now it's special edition of, uh, of network equipment. That just, that. Well, actually it was done. a pretty decent upgrade, right? So over the UDM Pro, I think it's a, it, at least a significantly uh, higher processor. And there is two base hard drive options. So there's a, a base hard drive for the application platform itself within Ubiquity. And then there is now a secondary drive that you could use for the protect application. So I looked at it that it was, you know, up on to for the, I think it was another hundred bucks for the additional procs. Uh, and the additional storage that you got for all of the other application platforms, yes, it was worth the push. But by all means, yes, John, you're right. We are now back into Star Wars branding. Uh, I feel like I'm looking at like maybe an old 80s Dodge, right, that had the special That's edition awesome, right there yeah. on the side, right, the special plaque. Yeah. I, um, I rock special edition. Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. I, no I hear it. No, I, just think it's, I just think it's funny that we've gotten to that point now. So anyway, um, my name is uh, John Tolls, aka Mobile John, uh, proprietor of MobileJohn.com. I've been in IT now for twelve or thirteen years. Late to IT, retail manager for a long time. Transitioned over. I've worked for BlackBerry. I do not work for VMware. I like to point that out because everyone thinks I do. It's even worse now that I'm in Slack. People still think I work for VMware in the internal Slack. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm a VMware partner. And I've been doing doing consulting work, and also I have a, a group of engineers who now work for me at my company who are working on VMware engagements as well. And as most people know, I'm I specialize in the EUC stack, uh, strong, very strong AirWatch and Workspace One background. Uh, pretty much all facets of EUC I've I've been doing now for a really long time. 
Very nice. Very nice. I will say a prolific publisher. We usually bring this up at the end of the call, but I would say, uh, John, your blog over there on mobile-john, as in J-O-N.com, at least for myself, is one of those reference blogs out there within the industry that I find myself constantly visiting. Uh, the, your articles are, are referenced both internally within our org and shared amongst partners and other vendors and whatnot. And you're a prolific publisher. I mean, a, a great quality of art articles and a high number of articles. So, and everything within the workspace, one stack from all of these new modern-esque type applications that are out there above and beyond modern or MDM components and MDM being both mobile device management and modern device management. You're exploring things like we're talking about today with you know mobile flows, but then also with, with DEM and DEX. But just a great, great reference article for those listeners that are out there over at mobile-john.com. Yeah, John, I had a monstrous article I released today on macOS uh, Deem, which was not for the fan at heart. <laughs> because I was, I, was, I was talking with one of the PMs and I'm like, how do you really talk about Deem? So I had a basic, I basically documented every single field that the different uh basically that the different widgets support have in it. So you could get an idea of like, like, cause that's what DM is, right? You want to think about how can you, how can you use the data to do stuff? And I think that that's a lot of it, but yeah. So we're, I'm trying to really dig deep now into Mac OS DM because I mean, I think, I don't know if, I don't know that control up does Mac OS DM, but I know that like a lot of clients I've worked with, right. When we talk about DM, they're like, Oh, I already have control up for my horizon and, you know, I, do I want to do something else and all that, all that, all that silliness. And so I think that that is certainly a good area for opportunity, but I think that Mac OS is very challenging because you find that a lot of stuff doesn't work the way you need it to more often than not, unfortunately over there. But yeah, I mean, you just, it's the brilliance of having ADHD is that in order for me to retain stuff, I have to write it. So it just kind of, it kind of works out. I had a whole, I had this whole idea that I was going to do whatever I had to do to try to hit hundred K views last year. And I just couldn't do it. Still, I had an, I put out an article every single week in 2020, in 2021 and, and still finished shy. I was at like 95 or something like that. Cause I just, cause like it, I always, I make fun of people. Cause like Johan, Johan von Amersfoort, who's one of the most brilliant people when it comes to horizon, horizon people can sneeze and get like 250,000 hits. A mobile person, like we have, we have to basically like, we're like the hobo that lives on the street that's trying to like find all the food he possibly can find just to eat that day. Like we're, I'm, we're scrounging and we're pillaging and we're doing whatever we can do to try to, you know, be relevant. And it's so hard as, you know, a mobile person and even, and then like, oh, let's make it worse. Let's make it a workspace. One person, if I was an into person, maybe fine. Right. Which I know to a degree, but I don't, I don't like it enough to actually want to write that much about it. But like, and I think that that's the, the thing that people take for granted. A lot of times these people who write, you know, are doing stuff on vSphere, on, on Horizon, all this stuff is, it's really easy to get views for your things. My stuff, not so easy. So I've always feel very lucky whenever something lo uh, lucks out. I, have you, have you guys ever watched um, Letter Kenny, which is something I discovered during COVID? No, Letter I can't Kenny, say that I have. It's probably one of the greatest shows ever. And it's on, it's on Hulu. It's basically about... They're Canadian, uh, let's call them country, to keep it PC, they're Canadian country people. And it has some of the, I actually wrote this article, and I don't know how, but if you if you Google Letter, Letter Kenny problems now, my article is the top on Google. 
like I, I don't even know how like this article is a top article for me in 2022 and it's just an article about like how i walked through me and my wife watching the show i learned all these life lessons that i could apply to it like not my cow not my farm which is like it's basically it's not my responsibility so working at freddie mac as a contractor for the last year i would say that almost on a daily basis if somebody would try to pull me into something i'd be like not my cow not my farm and it's just it's just always so funny like the stuff that you really work hard on you never get hits on but these like silly nonsense things you write will sometimes do really well and you don't really understand why they did so well that's always i think the fun funny thing about you know writing and you know putting stuff out there well, that's, we're a little off topic here but that sort of goes back to the blogger mantra right where you just never know but to to that end unless you're putting the content out there to begin with you're not presenting yourself with that opportunity. No, you're exactly right. And I'm, I'm fortunate that I that this year I, I became one of the VMware the top 100 influencers for 2022. So I was very fortunate. I, I thought it was a joke. I actually messaged her and I'm like, because I, I made a big stink. I'm very transparent, right? So I'll own it. I made a big stink when I, when I wasn't on the initial list in 2020. I was like, literally, is there a, a person that's more synonymous with workspace one than me in the country period and i i get they basically just they they like they're like go away you, you stop being silly but like i but like i just didn't even believe it because it's so weird like for those of you who aren't the experts you have we get this app called advocacy or dynamic signal on mobile and like you get these the influencer thing messages actually come as a notification in that app so you think oh they want me to share an article and so i actually didn't believe it i actually sent an email to her is this real like yay! I can go back to doing what I'm doing already. But yeah, I, I so I apologize. I'm famously known for going off topic. Black. There you go. There, there you go. go right, because we do this podcast mostly because uh, we had to get um, we had to order templates, blanks to you know see how it how they looked. Right. So so I said she and Noelle's like, what what name should you I put on this blank that we're gonna get so that we could and I went, well, we'll put my name on it. I'll take one, right? So so she did. So uh we we built that program. But uh yeah, so getting back on topic, uh, because the the hour will drift away very quickly. Um very why don't we talk a little bit about workspace one and experience workflows? Uh that well, you can talk and about before we get to that, first. let's yeah. let's start back with you know a little bit of the history with this, right, John? Where yeah. where did this come about and where was this introduced? I, I saw if I, I'm correct that you had done a, a series of articles on what was mobile flows at the end of 2020. And we have yeah, since progressed part. to, you know, the the newer platform, which we're experienced, we're calling experience workflows. But I think it, it for our listeners are out there, can we do a little bit of a history recap of yeah. how this started? What's a use case, and you know, who would be considering a product like this? Sure, I'm gonna we're gonna play Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon uh, VMware style real quick first. So. Okay. My first job when I moved back to Massachusetts, I worked for MIT Lincoln Labs, and we were trying to do S-MIME, and I went to AirWatch Connect. I was the only person that did S-MIME, believe it or not. Could not find a single person to talk to S-MIME about. And so we were in, in a Apple, Apple iOS, they do not check certif they do not actually check certificate expiration dates. So you could have an expired cert, and you could still use it. And so it was a whole thing there, because it was in the DoD, right? And so I went to AirWatch Connect, because I think, I forget what year this was. And someone hooked me up with a man named Evan Hurst, which I'm sure you guys probably know Evan Hurst, who's a PM. And he was the PM for AirWatch Boxer. 
or not Earwatch Box, sorry, Earwatch Inbox at the time, which was which is how I met him. And then fast forward years later, as he became, you know, he did great jobs with products and he moved up and up and up. He ended up owning, he ended up owning Mobile Flows. And I was actually talking to Evan about it quite a bit, um, you know, way back in the day. And I remember when, and what really came as a precipice for me is when they, because when, Mobile Flows was okay, it was okay. And then, and then virtual assistant hit the IBM, the Watson uh, partnership, which became really big instead of, I think, bringing that synergy and pulling everything together. Cause I know like Haman Sahani had a whole vision around, you know, kind of like, you know, the on onboarding and the HR aspect of it. Right. And, and so mobile flows, there was kind of two sides of the coin. They built all these out of the blocks connectors and it's kind of like, you know, good old Microsoft power flow automate or whatever the name for it is this week name constantly changes. And the idea would be is that you could, you know, integrate apps directly into your experience and you like, like famously, like I think like PowerFlow Automate, I, I had something set up, I think for my wife, like whenever she'd get an email, it would take all the attachments and save them to OneDrive or something. Like you have stuff like that. And like in mobile flows, it, they basically, they're out of the box connectors. They, they met very specific use cases. Like, so like, for example, you could use the mobile flows to say sync your, sync your, uh, your mobile device easily. Uh, then you also had stuff like getting notifications for Zoom recordings uh, inside of the hub. And the idea was is that you'd have a one-stop shop for notifications, whether that app was Boxer or whether that, that app was the Intelligent Hub. And they had all kinds of great integrations. They had out-of-the-box integrations yeah. with ServiceNow. ServiceNow, exactly. ServiceNow, Jira, um, Adobe, Adobe Sign, rather, um, and all these different all these different things. And I think the, obviously the challenge was is that they only – they, I mean, at the end of the day, right, it was part of the Workspace One Enterprise license. And it, it's, I hate to use the, the Microsoft, it's free argument, but it's it, technically it was uh, people who were enterprise felt it was free, right? And so I'm sure that there was a hard justification to kind of throw too, throw, throw too much money into it. Because I remember I was constantly advocating for that, like whether it was that you were able to kind of, whether they could self-host somewhere in the cloud or be able to do something. I think that was the, that was the real challenge because, like, yeah, there's specific apps, and the great thing were is that most of your top uh, top business apps were there, right? The Workdays and Concurs and stuff of the world, LinkedIn Learning, all that. I actually bought LinkedIn Learning for my me and my wife's company specifically to do this, and then we ended up keeping it because it's those who don't know, it's really expensive and it's hard to get a trial, um, and which is basically what Lynda.com used to be. But like, but that was the idea is that you'd have, you'd be able to kind of build all these immersive things, and then when Watson came out and they ended up Watson came not out but got involved with VMware, they introduced a chatbot into the intelligent hub so we can now do things like, you know, tell it that you want to order a new device. And, the, and anyone who went to me Johan and I's session at VMworld uh this past year saw the stuff that we did. Did you did you catch that did you watch that session, Matt? Because it's pretty I crazy. Did. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually insane. I actually like rewrote the code inside of Watson to get like it was funny like right so you saw like i was able to order like starfighters and tie fighters and stuff right so like it was part of camtasia stuff and part like you know trying to rewrite the way some of this stuff works but like it was just so neat the way you could do some of this stuff like service now and and a lot of those types of things and and i found that more and more is i just i try you try to i think with mobile right you get to a point where it's not like you know like horizon and vSphere where there's so much you can do at mobile, you, at, you get to a point in mobile, you have to start being creative and starting to try to figure out new stuff to do. Like, so like I got, Chris Hall said, got me into the, 
got, got me really interested in doing the API. So I've been doing a lot of stuff with the API. I, I, Justin Sheets and I collaborate on a, a recent article about uh, about pagination for the, the Workspace One API. And like, I think constantly do and try to do stuff like that. And Mobile Flows was one of those opportunities, I think, to kind of really show what are the different capabilities and some of the stuff that you can do. And so anyway, but so to, to kind of bring that all full set, full circle, right? They've, they've, they've kind of transitioned now to a new platform uh, by Dell Boomi, which made a lot of sense at the time, right? Because Dell and VMware were all one entity and that kind of, it made sense. And, and they brought Boomi in. And I'll tell you that the one thing I do really love about experience workflows more than anything else is the biggest problem that we had with mobile flows is the documentation was absolute abhorrent. Like I was lucky that I am who I am and I was able to get people to help me. Like they actually gave me like, she doesn't unfortunately doesn't work for VMware, Ashka, Vakil, uh, she hooked me up with like developers that were working on the mobile flow stuff to help me set up some of these because they weren't well documented. And one of the things I'll give them a lot of credit for is that they, they did experience workflows. They've actually done a relatively decent job at documenting how to set up a lot of these these things in Boomi, which is which is very very good because like like because I, yeah, I Boomi is not a, an easy platform, right? This isn't no, intuitive no, out not. of the box. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, it's if you just like I said, if you check out my blog article, you'll see it's 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 pretty painful. Like when you go through and try to go through the whole thing because it's like it's like a it's like if you want to go create a Visio and then create expand that Visio for roughly seven months. That's kind of what a experience workflow is to me. It's like all these things are interconnected. Like you create like a card, like like those of you who are experienced with an API, it's like it's like basically like visually creating a visual representation of all the stuff that you would have been doing textually. So like you're like creating, oh, here's a card for here's a card for like converting the JSON, converting from this format to like XML to JSON. Then here's a card that's passing this to that. It's actually not dissimilar. At EUC Day, I actually, one of the things that we did recently, what I did recently, and this is ironic because I am probably the biggest basher in the history of mobility on Okta. Like, I have trashed Okta so bad that I had nasty, people come up and make nasty comments to me at VMworld. But I bought Okta this year because of because they're they're going deep into the similar product of workflows. And it's a sim, actually a relatively similar idea that, that Okta is doing, where you basically, you have all these, like, connectors that you could, that are, configurable and you can kind of build these like API centric workflows around. Cause I think that obviously that really is the future. I think of where we're going and you're seeing these companies like, you know, Zapier and stuff like that, like making a killing on it right now where they're taking these products that don't have any integration whatsoever and enabling integrations for you. Because I think, I think we can all agree that integrations kind of out of the name of the game at this point. All right. Whatever we can do to make, I mean, it's one thing to publish, you know, to have the API out there to consume, then it's just how, what's going to be your pain level to make that consumption at an easy and, um, how do I say, tolerable level, right? I, I would have said not bad, and not bad, and make it, and put it, make it not bad. It's like, um, so I, I, one of the things that, so my wife and I, we own, uh, our company Centrex that we own is a small uh, pharma company that works on in the life science industry. We work on COVID and stuff like that. So we do a lot of really important stuff. And one of the things that I want to do, because no small company can buy a service now, right? It's like, it's, like, it takes, it's like 10 grand to buy like a non-prod instance. Like it's very expensive. It's like work. It's super expensive. And, and so I, I bought, so we use Jira Service Desk and I found a product called JMWE. 
which basically allows you to turn Jira service sets into service now. Like, so we can actually build, we have a whole service catalog and we can actually build, we build API integrations for like people submit a catalog request to like get access to a SharePoint site and it does an API call and it automat once it's approved, it automatically will go in, it'll, it'll take that, it'll take that approval and it'll go and do an API call on the back end. And we've actually, in our company, we've actually implemented experience workflows for Jira service sets so all the managers get a notification when there's a catalog request to approve in, on their intelligent hub. They tap it and it, go, and it goes off and does its little API magic and does its thing. And it's like, we've really kind of, we've really kind of been dedicated with that. Cause that's one of the things that I, as a, as a mentor, I teach people now is early engineers. I think the best thing to teach them is API now. Like I remember when I was scared of the API, when I was like mid career, because Marvel, they're afraid of the unknown, right? It's like, they just don't, they're like, I can't do this. No way. I'm not a developer. It's like, once you start kind of like just messing around with it and figuring it out and thank God for API explorers now that they have, including VMware's now have them. It makes life so much easier, but like just the ability. It's one of the things I really, I really preach is, is teach young engineers API so they can understand how the, you know, understand how the sausage is made. Like I feel like that is so beneficial. And when I, as I, I develop talent coming up and I've developed two pieces of talent who both are now VMware who work, work for me as VMware partners, working on VMware projects. And that's one of the things I first things I taught them was being able to see how the API works. You can understand how the data works because it's all about understanding the data. If you understand how the thing, way things work, it's so helpful. And I think that this is just, I think all these things kind of come full circle. And I think experience workflows is, is kind of just an example of how some of those ideas and concepts kind of been brought to life in a, like a positive way. And uh, two, before we continue along with that thought, I want to go back to your session uh, for our listeners coming out of VMworld with uh, Johan. Uh, that is EUS 3107. I believe that was the, the nerd tours, right? The tech uh, deep dive, uh, the BDI nerd for us 2021. We had a regular one, then we had a deep dive that showed you how we did the stuff that we did in the demo. Uh, apps for the, the EUC fans that are out there on our listener base, I would highly encourage that. It's available out on the VMworld site uh, on demand to, to, to go through and view. And then switching back over to mobile workflows and experience workflows now. In the consultancy, though, John, we talk about you know consumption and services that are available and that are out there and whatnot. And we talk about this in a you know a theoretical sense, but the practical application, and for those that you can speak about from the, the engagement that you've had on the consulting side, what's the real world application here? What, how are enterprises actually using this um, to help their line of business? What, what's an example, a relatively you know simple example um, that you've either helped to implement or heard about uh, where they've been able to consume this as part of the Workspace One platform? Sure. I mean, I think the biggest challenge is that people don't know that it exists. I mean, that's the that's the big challenge that you run into. So you run into a like right, a lot the, the market present or penetration hasn't really. I mean, it's there, but we, yeah. we still need to. We can ramp up with this, right? It's no, a you're right. New and, product set. And I think that they're really trying. I mean, with the fact that all of intelligence, and, and until recently you couldn't buy intelligence outside of it, and the fact that I think they're trying to get people more and more and, and kind of driving them towards enterprise, and I think that that certainly helps in that idea because it it kind of drives that whole kind of idea further right but that's what you get into a lot is a lot of these companies you'll go and join they actually already bought a product to do this thing like to do like what we're you know what we're proposing or what we're talking about doing 
But I mean, I think that inevitably, you know, notifications really are are kind of the real world application that I've seen, right? Where, you know, you've got a company who has like, you know, they're doing Adobe Sign, right? And they're they're they've got they're like a because let's say your average company, right? Is they're they're using Zoom for video. Contrary to my belief, they're likely using Slack if they're if they care about the users. I mean, no offense, but Teams is no, no, no. So like, I, I, yeah, and I know I get it. Slack Grid is really expensive. I get it. Okay, but uh, but yeah, they're, they're doing Zoom for messaging. They're doing, I mean, if they're doing Zoom for video, they're doing Slack for messaging. They're doing Workday Concur. The great thing is, is is that your average and your average large enterprise, there are out of the box connectors that are available right now that meet that meet kind of kind of align what they're doing, and that's because they. Because right now that they're they're getting the whole thing, and so like the main like main use cases that I've been running into is stuff like that. Like people want to have notifications like on their Zoom record on their Zoom recordings. Um, the service now stuff I haven't had that much of an opportunity to kind of kind of deal with yet. One of the, I, I'm like I said as someone who's getting really big in the Veeam right now, um, that's one of the things I'm really driving with some of my clients is using Veeam to 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 basically get tickets created and generated based off of like user scores and stuff like that. So I think I, I don't know that I don't know if the service now stuff is really there yet from a, a user perspective because I think I think there's still a lot of skepticism with onboarding and offboarding. Like I don't know how much they truly believe in it yet. It, I like they believe in the that they 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 want to get better at onboarding and offboarding, but I think that there's still trust needs to be built up there. I mean, in my opinion, I think a lot of what we're seeing right now has to do around the notifications and, and to a degree to some degree approvals. Like I said, like and within my company, like I said, you know, which is you know a hundred-person company, you know, we're doing a lot of really great things with being able to approve those catalog requests, and so that's been very, very useful. So sure, it's just it, it's taking this idea of what would have been that manual approval process for you know this could be you know a product like Adobe Sign, and then notifying the user of you know the next action to take, and then based on what workflow that you would have set up. So if there would be a signing process, you could see this where there would be POs or field yeah. service organizations. And then there was also some more advanced features of this that would be out there that you, said you had spoke about with you know, the DEEM integration. So where as if a user would be having a poor overall experience based on one of those intelligence pieces that the DEEM would be able to suck in and that we would set a threshold on, where rather than the yeah, user right. calling into the help desk, or if we had a combination or a KPI where you, you know an overall poor performance with you know, bad network connection or some type of smart notification that that uh, from the hardware that would be coming back up, you get those three triggers and boom, you know right there is a ServiceNow ticket that's proactively created that then puts. Uh, get stumped into your help desk. Yeah, I think the so the out of my article today, I think the thing that I feel like is the most beneficial, like for Mac, and it, it's something that we're kind of if you're if you have a, if you have PCs and hopefully you're doing Dell support assist, uh, if you're if you're a Dell customer and you do a similar thing, is that so one of the one of the pieces of data that the Deem is pulling for Mac right now is how many and most people don't real, don't notice the thing, but every battery has X amount of full charges in it before it actually sure. goes kaboom. Right. Um, I was actually impressed that Mac OS Deem actually records that in there, like how many full cycles are left. 
And that's one of the things that I'm going to be talking with, like myself, talking with Apple themselves directly to get an idea of like what they think. Like, like at what, like, is it 500 left? It, like, what is the number when you just you need to, let's go get that battery replaced. And yeah, that's, and that's really where Deem, because you can use the buzzwords and you can use the flashy stuff around Deem, but that's really where Deem's bread and butter is, is getting ahead of certain things. Like, get, like, like drawing alerts on, on free disk space. Like, okay, free disk space, you know, just sending an email notification or opening a service now to get disk space, battery, the stuff that actually matters to people. I think that's really the stuff. Like there's also stuff with, um, they also have log on failures. That's another one. I, I think that that's the kind of stuff like, you know, when people realize that they don't even have to call call the help desk, that the help desk is, is already looking out for them. I think that that's really where Dean, you know, hits its stride. All right. This isn't just a simple thing where we can say that we want to do, you know, battery replacement every three years. This is a, a functional element that that is life cycling within the battery. So if you would take the standard analogy where we're going to, you know, we we're cycling our, our fleets every three years, but, you know, we might have to do battery replacements depending on endurance and whatnot every year and a half. And we do, you know, some of them may have been used to capacity others not but we just want to be sure and we're going to go out and do the whole entire fleet so there's a 50 percent overhead just to be safe whereas if we're actually taking that real telemetry data and we know from a, a, a hard experience of okay at about 80 percent of the battery's life we need to start to get ahead of this and then we can have a proactive ticket that's thrown into our service queue that you know, depending on the level of integration, could pull from a centralized inventory automatically. You know, put a, a service request into the hardware depot, create a print label, get everything shipped out, have the other one set up for return, and then you're much more efficiently and proactively managing your end user fleet. And we can apply this to you know a tremendous amount of other things, just beyond beyond Max. And I think that's where we where we take the this true intelligence that's out there in the field, and more effectively operate these fleets. Yeah, well, yeah. When you think about it, right? I remember a couple companies ago, I worked for a director who would famously just say, "I want AI," like, "I want AI," like least helpful thing somebody could say. And I use that as an example because when you go to users and you tell them, you give them actual information that's helpful. You tell them that, you know, we're monitoring your battery. We know you probably have about, you know, 200 full charges up before that battery is going to, is going to, you know, go kaboom, not actually kaboom, but, you know, go not, not be okay. That that's the kind of information when you go to users with that, I think you build trust and you build, you build a good relationship there as versus just, oh, your computer's not working too good. We got to, we just go get you a new one. Like, right. like here's so the why. Here, here's why we're, you're enabling yeah. your users and because you're providing them with information that allows you to build that trust relationship as yeah. a service Incredi credibility. Yeah, and even yeah. more so. And that's, I think, I, if we look at, because if you look at, if you say like, you know, for example, if you say farm is a, is a relationship business, I'd say that IT is a credibility business. It's, you think about everything that we do, right? Like, what's the old adage that you know that not the technologies aren't necessarily bad, but they're rolled out poorly? That kind of that kind of deal. Like, it's all about credibility. Like, if if you build trust and people believe you know what you're talking about, this is so important in consulting, especially because especially in my space in mobility, 
you've got a lot of people who don't can't don't really I don't really speak that authoritatively or confidently when it comes to mobile. And I think, and that's why a lot of times in these projects, and I've even seen it in VMware-led projects, whereas is that they just, is it customers, is they really fight and they push back. But if you build credibility and you, and people trust in what you say, it, it speaks volumes, I think. I mean, I just, I've always felt that IT kind of is that way. Absolutely. Eric, I've been dominating conversation. Over to you, sir. What questions do you have for Mr. Tabs? I, I I gotta I gotta you know address all the people that aren't EUC experts and go wow a lot of that went over my head right I mean it's like it's one of these things that uh, I'm still struggling with, uh, with with what the top level definition of you know experience workflows versus mobile workflows versus I get kind of the automation of it and is it just all polar? this is for mobile where I'm engaging with my mobile I'm so far this stuff is so far over my head Matt I'm kind of like uh, okay, what are we doing next year, right? Like this is uh, this is something that uh, I'm still trying to figure out. So I don't have a relevant thing to say here. I think you should think about it as synergy, right? It's about bringing, you're just bringing things together. You're centralizing an idea. So like if you if your idea is is that, so if we put it in like layman's terms, that's how I always talk to people about like, you know, when they, they provide, when, when someone provides requirements, right? They try to talk in your language and it's never a good idea. Like, just tell me what you actually want. And it's my job to see if I can give you that thing that you want. And I think that experience workflows are all about like, you know, we want a one-stop shop for notifications. We want a one-stop shop for approvals. That's really inevitably where it is. And the idea is it's now my responsibility to look at all your enterprise services and figure out how I bring all those enterprise services into the fold. And I think that's inevitably what we're talking about. It's kind of like Power BI in a way, right? Like how Power BI some stuff is out of the box some stuff you have to pay money for right. some stuff you might have to build and it's 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 that's really what it's it's about the idea or the concept that you want right oh you want a unified hub for the thing that you're trying to do all right i do have a question because i did go through your blog article right and i kind of followed along until i got to the boomy console right yeah, Time it's, pain, to check it's painful the, yeah explain how the boomy console fits in this process Sure. So the Boomi console, the, the number one reason I use it is for reviewing logs, like when we've been troubleshooting things, because you go to the Boomi console and you can actually look at the log and see like the failures. Because what I found was the biggest challenge I found with experience workflows is that there's a lot of stuff you'd see in there and you think it's a failure and it's not. Because it could be something like you could throw like a 400 bad request because the person was already added or or, or already activated or a notification already happened or whatever. So I, I dealt with a lot of that stuff. Like, uh, for example, with Adobe Sign, I was getting 400 notifications for every single document that I had already got a notification on. Like, like little weird things like that. It's a lot of the nuances. So like the Boomi console is essentially for, uh, I guess, a few things. Like one of them is like, if you wanna, if you wanna like export out your uh, your VMware package and you say you wanna mess around with it and try to, try to play around with it. Um, I used it mostly for learning and understanding how like, because I wanted to, because I don't, I like to know how it actually works. So I can like, because I mean, my whole thing is like, how can you troubleshoot stuff if you know how it actually works at like the fundamental level? It's so, like for, the movie console for your average person is basically going to be probably just to go grab logs. Um, for me, it was more about trying to get an idea of how it actually works. Like okay. say if I want to modify, because I, I, the number one thing most customers are going to be doing is they're going to be going into a VMware built flow and trying to like modify the, the cards. And the cards are like the, the visual overlay that the person sees. So like they're going to want to like modify how that pop-up comes into the hub. And that's the kind of stuff I think that you're going to see some stuff on. And I tell you, the, 
VMware got one thing right with this. One true thing right is they is they realize we're not good at this. Let's get somebody else to do it. If those who aren't aware, is they they brought this company in called Jade, and Jade is actually so whenever so so when you go and you pay to get this stuff done, right? When you if you go when you go and you pay to get a new integration built, right. those that's that can be done via professional services, and Jade is actually the one that's actually doing it. I, that was also, that was actually going to be my next question. It's like, how many enterprises actually even like? I would assume because I rated them data center once, I'd have vendors that come in and do. And I, and how many are just coming back to VMware saying, "Here's my problem set. These are the things I want to you know expose my users to. These are the workflows. Please build it for me." Right? I would yeah, yeah. There's your scope. Like Here's your ninety percent of the customers yeah. are coming through VMware, and then VMware's outsourcing it to you said Jade. Jade, yeah, Jade's the company. I forget okay. their full company name, but yeah, right. Jade is the is the company that actually has built all, not just the not just the ones that customers request, but the ones that you have out there right now. Those built-in ones, those like this past, them. yeah, this past month they just have released, I believe, LinkedIn Learning and Zoom, which I think I'm gonna be I'm gonna be setting up tomorrow. I had them set them up close. It's not that hard, but like, uh, but I'm gonna set those up. I'm gonna probably try to set those up tomorrow. And yeah, and Jade is actually the one that built those, and I've worked with some of their people, and they're pretty nice. Like they're offshore. Because when I we're trying to work through some of these things, and like I think the hardest thing in the stomach is is like how like how does a cus a customer is gonna have a hard time justifying probably justifying twenty or thirty grand? It's gonna have to be an app that's like pivotal to what they're doing, which to me is almost hard to imagine. Because if you look at like if they are if they're gonna already have Workday out there, like Workday is the kind of app you say I, I pay twenty grand to make that happen. Same with Salesforce, I pay twenty grand to make that happen. And those are the kind of things that you're gonna see prioritized pretty highly, I believe. Is that you're going to see, and a lot of these have already happened, but right. I think that that's the thing is like, how do you, you got to really try to build that business case for like, you know, justify, should we spend 20 grand on making this, making this thing an actual reality? And it's, I think that's going to be, yeah. it's going to be a tough thing for people. So it, maybe it's that you just rely on, you rely and you beg and you plead. And you say, please, yeah. please, Mr. Lucas Chen, will you please make this happen? Yeah, I, I think that, which I have done more than one occasion so far. And yeah, I, have not gotten very I look at VMware and I look as an owner of services that we deliver to the rest of the company, right? We do have some social services and community services that we deliver internal uh, to the internal apps and they have to go through Horizon, you know, to in order to you know enable that. And for me, as an owner of that service, I might spend 400,000 a year building and operating that service. And I only have 20% of my employees using Using it because they don't know about it or it's not easy to use. So for me yeah. to spend another 50k to enable that service that we've got to just seamlessly plug in, it's worth it yeah. for me to go do that. And I know that sounds enterprisey because it is enterprisey and our budget. Well, no, I, I, I agree. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree with you. I, I think right. that that's the that's the thing, right? Is like is is are you going to be able to justify that? I think right. it depends on it depends on the business, right? Because some right. businesses, right? You know, I think are like I think like in the financial space, for example, there are a lot. It's a lot easier for them to spend money, but right. then if you talk about like a healthcare, say, say you say now you go over to healthcare, right? right. If it's not, if it, the product is not called Epic, they're probably gonna they're probably gonna fight you on spending the money, right? And I think that yeah. that's, I think it all comes down manufacturing. I think construction will probably be another one. I think it's gonna depend on the industry and whether or not, like, if it's a if it's an industry, and I use I use air quotes, prints money, like you know, like a like right. like a uh, like a Moderna or like some life sciences company. That's making billions of dollars, and they have a pretty very a very let's say very pliable uh, IT budget. Right. Kind of like Capital One, who was one of the big big early on companies that did a lot of mobile flow stuff. Is I think right. that those companies, it's not a big deal, but I think that it's going to be challenge. I think it's interesting and it'll be challenging because I think that 
The problem is that most of the companies that are probably going to have to pay money for workflows are probably small to medium businesses that have products that aren't on that roadmap. Like a company that's using, say, like a NetSuite. It's, it's not, they're, they're not spending the money to say use full Oracle or full PeopleSoft. Well, for an example, like Dynamic Signal that you're aware of, right? Like Dynamic Signal, we, uh, we would like to get all our employees, all 20,000 employees using it. And so having a workflow that allows them to come in and just uh, add themselves and get that up and running. So it's yeah. a mobile app that's uh, really productive. Uh, it's it's good to have that, right? And, and oh, absolutely. we already spend 200K a year purchasing a license for dynamic signal for the 8,000 employees that use it. So adding an extra 25 or 30 K to simplify that workflow just makes financial sense. No, I would agree with you. No, absolutely. I think it's just, like I said, it's always going to be subjective. It's going right. to be based on like, kind of like, like who you are and like, if you can, if you can actually justify that. Cause like I said, from like me and my wife's company, like we can't just like, we would love to just spend 20 K and get right. like net, get net suite done. For right. example, with a new, new accounting service. Like I said, we probably can't justify that. So I, I, I'm gonna continue to try to beg and plead right. to see if we can get like some of these things. Because I think, and I, I always say this is one of the big challenges I find with VMware is that sometimes that their their real real world awareness is not always where it should be. Like I've had many PMs tell me, "Oh yeah, just go, just go do this." I'm like, "Yeah, sure, I'll go reboot that server in the middle of the day. That's no big deal." Like they just like they don't always understand the real world problems, like I think within like, you know, companies that have to kind of pay, yeah. let's say pay the piper. And I think that that's, you know, and I think trying to give constantly giving feedback to people like Lucas Chen and letting them know the, these are apps that really matter and stuff like that and trying to help get them on the roadmap and stuff like that, because I don't at all believe in the whole aha thing. I never will. I never, if you go look at Microsoft's user voice, show me how many of those things have had, have like, 10,000 votes and never got implemented. Yeah, I, that's a whole pet peeve of mine, right? When people come to me, because yeah. I do social and a lot of times they'll come to me for community going like, hey, because I run the community platforms, can we get AHA kind of do I'm like, well, first off, you understand that's a complete demotivator. And the reason it's a demotivator for your customer base is because you'll get 100 ideas and you'll quickly be overwhelmed and you won't be able to implement but any of them, zero. Because who's driving you know, the next generation uh feature set in your product are big customers that are spending $20 million for a new opportunity. That's what you're building. And guys that come in, community members come in and give you ideas that never gets implemented because there's not a $20 million PO against it. And don't forget a product is only as good as the PM that owns it. Yeah. You can go look, go look at the whole VMware suite right now. Look at what they've done in the last year. And you, you can know very, very easily. And this is not even negotiable or up for debate. You can look at a product. You can see what, Go look at all, read the release notes for the last 12 months, and you'll know whether or not that PM is good or not. Because some PMs, they're like, they're magic. Like, they get stuff done. They know what, they know what their people need. They get it. They make it happen. And then others, others just don't. They're just, they're not Interesting. listening. Interesting. I mean, Interesting. That, that, I mean yeah. maybe, like I said, it's just, that's the way I feel. I'm, right. you know, but like, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I've always felt that the PM, a, a product is only as good as the PM that runs it. Because so like I said, you can do certain yeah. stuff. So we're coming up, uh, we have 10 more minutes here to be a, an hour podcast. Maybe Matt has to drop off because uh, we got a little bit of a late start. But I have a couple of questions for you, John. And uh, Matt, I'll throw it back to you if you have a couple of final questions before you have to drop. Um, one is, where are we going? Where do you think uh, this is going to go in the next year? Do you have any kind of thoughts around uh, what you think VMware is going to do in this space? Like, obviously, they've moved to uh, experience workflows. Where do you think we're going with this? I truly believe, and I'm probably wrong, 
and I truly believe it, they will drop the, they will eventually will drop the price of experience workloads. But my whole thing is right, is that you have to buy in. So you buy intelligence and you have to pay like an extra 10 bucks or whatever per user for experience workloads. If they're going to make people have to spend 20 or 30 K on an app, yeah. I truly believe for experience workloads to be successful, they have to, they have to make, they have to bundle it into something. I okay. made the same argument with intelligence and they eventually did it. They bundled it into something is you, you have to package products in 2022 and even in 2021 and 2020, you have to package products together. Microsoft has proven that in order to be successful. People aren't buying Defender by themselves, right? Yeah. They're buying E5. Yeah. Well, so, and I mean, I, I, if you look at the VMware uh, enterprise, all you can consume license, I forget yeah. the name of it, Matt, like we are absolutely heading in that way where you just have an all you can eat yeah. price. And, uh, and then maybe we have some consumption in there, but uh, mostly it's just a, yep. Buy a buy a all you can eat license and away you go. I feel like that. I feel like that you eliminate a lot of the argument around experience workflows if you do that. It then then people are able to more easily stomach the idea that they're going to have to pay money to have a, a workflow built for their for their business. I think. I mean, I think that's one thing that I I, I see coming. I think another I think another thing I, I do see coming with experience. I mean, experience workflows is it's going to. I I hope that we're going to continue to see what we're the output we're seeing because we've been seeing. We've seen probably, you know, a couple of, you know, I'd say on average, and at least one app a month is is getting released that's built. And I, they, and I, I'm pretty active in the Boomi channel and Slack, and I, I continue to see them like really putting out a lot of information out there and getting stuff doing. I mean, the best thing, honestly, that ever happened to me as a partner is getting access to the, the VMware internal Slack because I've been able to collaborate with the different teams and and get get help. And help them identify bugs. I've already found two bugs on Deem for macOS for that same reason. And I think that, I think that that openness, I think, is going to help us kind of move forward. I think further and further. And I think the next step for all of this is going to be experience workflows into chatbots, like we had with with mobile flows. Because I think that that's really the future. Is conversational chat. I think that's most important. Yeah, and and as, as I think as we've you know transitioned to SaaS and consumption and you know going a lower in the stack like it's not enterprise, it's commercial and it's you know end user like it, not commercial but small business SMB. I think that SaaS and push there. I think we're taking it serious, but so pricing as well as just you know overall bundling. I think that makes sense. I think they will will head in that direction. I think VMware's you know, I think Ragu is changing the way we approach the market, right? It is less an enterprise and more SaaS delivery, uh, subscription delivery, everything delivery, SaaS cloud service delivery. Uh, so it, it should, it, we should, we should see yeah. a transition uh, in the next year as, as we just get better at it, right? As more and more people learn how to yeah. do this at VMware. It's a Microsoft model. I love telling these enterprises that they don't matter anymore to Microsoft and they just, they, their jaws drop because it's like, because, because it, because, it's not like the B pause days where, you know, where this large, like some large, like bank of America mattered so much because now you're just, you're as, you're as good as the seats that, that the seats that you have. Right. And right. I worked for companies that were majority investors in Microsoft. And I, 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 I lived and watched that these people saying, Oh, that they don't, they never, is it one that whole, the SAS consumerism of it is that you're, you're, you're only matter as much as your seats. So you don't have the pull you used to have. And it's a, it's a hard pill. I think for people to swallow. But I think that it's actually a good thing overall because, like, now uh, more people than, than ever can now open tickets at Microsoft for support and stuff like that. And I think 
enabling people like that, I think is good. It's good for everybody. It's good for the product. I think overall, because yep. you, you get more people, more bugs reported, more everything. And so, okay, that's for us. What, uh, what do you see? You know, I always ask people at the end of the podcast because we're coming up to the hour. Um, what do you see some of your goals are for the next year? We're starting in 2022. Um, do you have anything that you're aspiring to paying attention to technology? Some people ask for what are the good books you read? I like to geek out and say, what's, what's your favorite tech that you're following or can kind of got you inspired for this next year? Yeah. So um, I'm, uh, I'm heading to my first conference in two weeks down the hymns in Florida, the healthcare and it Conference. Yes, I've heard, yeah, I know him. Yep. Yep. And so we're actually, uh, my company, we partnered with another company and we're actually, we built a word add-on and we're actually going to be showing that at Hims, um in two weeks. I promise I did not do this so that I could go to Disney for a week without my family. <laughs> I promise. You that promise, that did not yes, quote, I promise. Yeah, yeah. me and two of my guys are going down. We're, we built um, one of the one of our big pain points I've had, I dealt with for a long time as an EC architect is how bad co-authoring is in Office 365, and so we built an add-on, and what this add-on does is it actually is like a companion, and it it basically let make sure that you're aware of what your sync status is when you're like co-authoring in a do, in a document in Word, and so it monitors your document, it allows you to reset your Office account if you're having sync issues, it will you know let you know, it'll save copies offline. So the whole idea is, is for these companies that are doing collaboration. And I was amazed that no one's thought of this. It doesn't exist in the market. It blew my mind because I've worked for so many companies and it's been a complete nightmare for almost every time I've ever right. worked at Like the, most most developers, they they use Google Docs because the co-authoring has been so bad. In that's our, correct. In our, right? yep. And so, yeah, so the idea was is that you have something that's like a companion that kind of supports you so you don't lose changes. Because like my wife will be working on a document and then, you know, there'd be some kind of sync conflict or something and it wouldn't sync and she'd lose like six hours of work. And that's a lot of money well, based on right. what she's billing at. And so this was an idea that we had. And so we worked with a partner, we worked with a partner company to kind of come up with that. And so that's something, and I think that that's creating is something that we're, I think I'm very interested in for the next year is seeing like what we can create and trying to kind of push the limits. I think of some of these API things or what I'm really interested in, like APIs, I, I hate to say, I hate, it's nerdy enough to say it's been kind of a hobby, but it's been kind of a hobby I'm trying to just understand like how I can, I think, make life better and easier. Cause I've already done the whole home automation thing. I've, you know, I, I've done, I've done all the stuff, like all this, all that kind of the personal stuff. Now I'm just trying to see like, how can I use technology, you know, for the greater good, I think, and, and how, you know, how can we make sure that we do good things and, Keep people yep. happy and do the right thing. That sounds fun. And, you know, you know, you could be the next wordy, right? Like you just could just take off the next thing, you know, guys build something and it, it goes, goes nationwide and away you go. Um, where, would people, you. where would people <laughs> go find your, 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 your plugin? Where would you go? Um, so if, if you look up, if you look up my, my center, if you look up my Centrex booth for hymns, all you gotta do is Google Centrex and hymns. Okay. And I'm going to have all kinds of marketing materials on there. And if you, if you happen to be in, in Orlando. Florida, yeah. reach out to me and, you know, be happy to, you know, have, have a drink. There's going to be a lot of good times on there. I'm, I'm very paranoid. I've got a wife that has autoimmune disease, but I'm still going anyway. I'm, yeah. We I'm, got, uh, we got some family members going to Vegas in a couple of weeks. Like we're all trying oh, to yeah. figure out like, Okay, this is opening back up. Here we go. And we got to live life. We're going to go to VMworld this year. We're going to get out. And, you know, I got my vaccines and, you know, I'm trying to yeah. stay healthy. It takes a vitamin D and do all the things I can to be able to just get back into it. Right. Because yeah, you, we, uh, we do you have just got to make that. good choices. Right. Like right. we didn't, we shut down everything. We didn't do a thing. 
and then our nanny gave us gave gave me my wife and my my two-year-old covid and so after we got we bounced back from that we decided you know what we're just gonna have to start doing what we're gonna do we're gonna just make good choices and, and, and focus on what we can do to protect ourselves instead of letting everybody else have to protect us i mean because no matter what you do no matter how hard you try eventually it catches up with you i think very cool. Well, we're at the end of the hour. We always yeah. uh, finish up with some V barbecue because if you want to watch us on YouTube, thank for thank you for everybody listening to the very end. We're on youtube.com slash V barbecue, B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E. Uh, and so we talk a little barbecue because it's lunchtime here in California. Uh, John, do you have any favorite barbecue? Do you ever get to barbecue? And uh, if so, what is that? Yes. Um, so I, I it took a year for me to get my grill. I've been waiting for it. Originally, I was going to, so I was in Texas and I had an outdoor kitchen. So I moved back to Boston. You can't really do an outdoor kitchen up here because it would just rust and it's like way more expensive. And so I, I got a, I got a really nice Heston grill. Uh, I was going to nice. get a Lynx, but we couldn't get them because you know, hashtag COVID. I, yep. I sat, I waited a year. Supply chain. I, it was going to order yep. for a year. It literally showed up in January. So I've been out in the snow in Boston <laughs> and pulling fun. the grill out to grill and pulling it back into the garage. Anyone That's awesome. about Hessen, if you're thinking about a Hessen, they're not cheap. So there you um, go. Yes, yeah, so like yeah, we and I also have a smoker. So we try to we try to, you know, regularly, you know, we usually do it, we do a good brisket. we'll do a good brisket. We we're mostly like a, we do a lot of chicken, we do a lot of steak. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we have a we're we have full we're a celiac, we're a celiac household. My wife has wife has right. a celiac yeah. disease, so we scratch kitchen. So there stuff. you go. Tony Foster, if you're still there, uh, I'll ask you if you got anything to report on barbecue. If not, uh, we'll wrap up. I am still here. So uh, tomorrow night, I'm actually going to be doing a uh, non-bread pizza on the uh, grill with barbecued pulled pork. Very nice. Non-bread pizza. Non pizza. What is non-bread pizza? What's that? What's that? What's a non-bread pizza? So, what does that sit on? So non-bread is an Indian uh, flatbread. Oh, non. Um, okay. N -A -N. Non. Yes. Oh, not, not, I thought not, he said non as in yeah. not bread. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which is funny for the person the boss is saying somebody else. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're, we're at the top of the hour. Uh, people are bothering me because i got to be at my next meeting. John Towles, thanks a lot for being here. Have fun Thank in Orlando. Get out, have some fun, sell some product, and uh, appreciate all the work you guys, you do in the community on your blog. Thanks a lot Thank for being so here. Much. Have a great day, Eric. Take yep. care. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, get up to a $15 gift card after mail-in rebate when you purchase select Superstart batteries. With the power, performance, and reliability your vehicle demands, Superstart batteries are designed for lasting performance and consistent starts. Turn the key with confidence. Superstart batteries only at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.